You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. So about 11 years ago, I'd fallen in love with a beautiful woman. Some of you know her by Crystal. And it came the time for us to get married. So I I was making plans to propose. We had already gotten the ring. uh, And I was a good Southern gentleman. So what did I have to do? I had to go ask her dad. So I was hyping myself up. I was getting ready. And Crystal had it all set up for us. She was texting me, hey, Dad's going to get home early from work today. Mom hasn't come home from work yet. I'm at work. Nobody will be at the house but you and him. And so she texted me when Dad got home. So I drove to the house. I got out of my car, and I was walking into the house. And I felt like the guys on Green Mile. Walking, dead man walking, right? And I knew this was, you know, you... You, this is one thing you prepared your whole life for. You knew one day as a guy, you were going to have to go and ask for your wife's hand in marriage. I prepared myself for it. I had prepared the speech. I got in the room with her dad. I said my speech. I got to the end. And you know what he said? Nothing. He didn't say anything at all. So me being the good future preacher that I was, I began to fill time. I said, I love your daughter very much. She means so much to me. And I just kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And finally, I felt like he was going to say something. So I stopped. And all he said was, I think you're making a great choice. (laughs) And that was all he said. He didn't say anything else. So I took that as an affirmative. I said, thank you very much. I love you and got the heck out of the house before he changed his mind, right? But here's the thing. I I don't think he had actually prepared himself that his 22-year-old little girl was one day going to get married. And so I I, I had to deal with the fact that they had not quite prepared themselves that one day their most favorite daughter, and I know that Kimberly and Samuel are probably watching on the live feed. Yes, Crystal's the favorite. They had no problem with you two leaving the house. They had a problem with her leaving the house. Uh, let's just be honest, okay? And, and I was taking away their favorite daughter, and they weren't ready for it. And so what happened was it began a very tumultuous relationship between us. In fact, they gave us a lot of grief while we were while we were engaged. Her, her dad gave us a lot of grief leading up to the marriage. In fact, after we were married, he, he, he gave us a lot of grief about us being married. Now, now, it let up a little bit when the kiddos were born. You know, when you have such beautiful kids like us and you give people grandkids, they, they find it in your heart, their heart a little bit to like you. Now, ultimately, I don't think because... Sammy's probably going to be watching on the live feed. Love you, Sammy. Uh, We're good now. But I think he wasn't ready for what was going to happen. And I caught the brunt in his heart that he wasn't ready to let his little daughter go. I don't think he didn't like me because I'm a great person. Who wouldn't like me, right? 
I mean, you're, you're sitting there thinking, yeah, of course. But something happened that gave me the opportunity to make a choice. A few years into our marriage, we got the phone call that Crystal's dad told Crystal that mom and I are going to be getting a divorce. And the circumstances were such that Crystal was not very happy with her dad. And I had a choice there. I could have said, you know what? Your dad's no good. You should never talk to him again. Or I could do something else. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. Uh, go to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start there. Uh, if you, I'm going to be jumping all over the place today, so I apologize. Well, I don't apologize for giving you a lot of the Bible, but uh, you can get in your Hope Church Cleveland app. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, you can go to your Apple store, your Google Play, and just type in Hope Church Cleveland. You can find it. You can follow a lot of, along with what I'm doing, but I got two quick announcements. Number one, next week, or not next week, in two weeks, we start a brand new sermon series. We didn't have a, a promo for it yet this week, but we will next week. It's called Power Couples. We're going to be looking at couples in the Bible and all about what we can learn from them. And three out of the four Sundays in February, my beautiful wife, some of you know her as Crystal, uh, she is going to be team teaching with me for three out of the four Sundays in February. So she's super excited about it. Uh, yeah, she's excited. Anyway, <laughs> So it's going to be good. So you never know what's going to happen when we're, we're teaching together. Uh, we never know what's really going to happen. We've got a goal, and we'll see how we get there. So don't miss it uh, through all of February. Now, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. It was true again this week. I have about 50 more people in the second service than I do the first service. So here's what I need from all of you. I would like for you to consider to me possibly going to the first service. Don't hate me, Okay. God only gives us so much room to put people. Now, we have a little bit more room in this service. I will give you that. But usually, most of our visitor flow comes in the second service. So if you could help me out by coming at 9 o'clock, I would love you forever. I already know some people did do that for me. So I would appreciate you. Uh, I just got to find a way to, to make some space for 50 more people. All right? Deal? Let's continue. Now, this is week three of I Love My Church next week is going to be the final sermon. But throughout the series, I've been talking to you from Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, that's our theme verse I'm bringing to you from the Passion Translation. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day drawing near. What the writer of Hebrews is telling us is he's saying that the church is a gift. We talked about it in week one. The church is a gift, and we need to meet together. Now, what's been the mission of Hope Church from day one? From day one of Hope Church, our, the pastor that planted this church, Pastor JJ, his vision always was that God had placed on his heart has always been love God and love people. And as I was prepping for this series, I actually had a different, uh, we were supposed to actually talk about giving today. But God moved me in a different direction, and it's been about being straight and right on what God has called us to do. I think the church is changing. The church is growing. We've got different people in here. And God said, you've got to tell them what vision I have placed upon this church. So last week, we talked about loving God. This week, we're going to talk about loving people. Now, if we thought last week, if you didn't catch last week's sermon, you can go back on the app and listen to it. 
But if we thought loving God was a little bit more difficult than what we understood, loving people is probably even harder. Because let's face it, people are hard to deal with. Any of you that have ever worked in a service industry know that people are a pain in the booty. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart on a Saturday. Jeez, you test your religion, even be there, right? Those of you that wait tables, those of you that that are in the, the service industry know that people can be very frustrating and it's difficult. But what Jesus tells us in Matthew 22, 39 through 40, he said, and the second is like it. Last week, we talked about his first command, which was love God. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. What he's saying to you is on these two things, every other thing in my word can depend. So what I'm saying to you guys today is as we do things as a church, if it can't, if it doesn't fit into love God or love people, we should not be doing it. Otherwise, there's no point. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is how do we love people? How do we love people? Sometimes it seems impossible. Now, usually I tell you my lists are not exhaustive, but I think today my list is exhausted. I've got four groups of people that you're called to love. They may not be easy, but it's what we have to do. The first group of people that we have to love is our family. Family. In 1 John 4, 21, it says, and this command we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You know, the old adage goes, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your man. And sometimes your family is sometimes the biggest pain that you have to deal with in your life. You know, I know some of you dread going to family functions, uh, I kind of have both sides of my family kind of kind of have the finicky side. I I have a I have my mom's side of the family. My mom's side uh, it came from a household of a lot of girls. My mom is one of four daughters, and so it's a ve- very female driven family. On the opposite end is my dad's family. My dad is one of four boys. It's a very male, chaotic driven, redneck family. They live in Mineral Wells. Those of you that know where Mineral Wells is completely understand. From that side of the family, I was shooting guns from five years old and dipping snuff. Maybe not the dipping snuff part, but shooting guns, yeah. <laughs> but they're two op- they're polar opposite families. And so understanding how to deal with that family and deal with this family, and even my wife, now that I'm married, we have two totally, completely different families. My family just yells at each other. When we're upset, we know we're upset. We just yell at each other. Crystal's family, when they're mad at each other, they call each other and tell and talk about that they're mad with the other person, but never tell the person. They just say, don't tell that person. <laughs> then eventually they all figure out that they're mad at each other because they tell each other that so-and-so's mad. And I'm just sitting there going, can y'all just call each other? You're giving me a headache. Am I right? I'm getting a scowl. I'm moving on. Anyway, so <laughs> family is difficult. We're stuck with them. We were born into that family. But, but Jesus says, if you can't love your brother, then you don't show your love for me. Now remember, the church is our family too. Now I'm here to tell you as a pastor and us pastors, we joke about this. Church people are sometimes the most difficult people to deal with. 
They are. If you don't believe me, ask your waiter at lunch today. They're very sad that they're working on a Sunday because church people are not the the best. Right, Alma? We talked about this last week. And what I'm saying to you is sometimes church people are hard to get along with. Now, you'll find that as you become a part of a church for a long period of time, there's going to be some things that grate on your nerves. But guys, what I'm here to tell you is one of Satan's biggest weapons against the church is to pit us against one another. Because if we're mad at each other, then we're not worried about the mission that we have. And guys, I'm here to tell you, as your pastor, sometimes I'm going to do things that frustrate you. Sometimes the staff, sometimes the elders are going to do things that frustrate you. And you know what? We sit in my office and I go, you know what? I want to make Dusty mad. I just want to make Dusty mad, so I'm going to change this just to make Dusty mad. I pick on Dusty because I don't know that I could ever make him mad. Crystal's laughing. I bet I, bet I could. But <laughs> I've never seen it, though. <laughs> and so I don't sit in my office to go, you know what? I'd, I'd really like to make this person mad. And here's the thing. If I ever frustrate you as your pastor, it was never my intention. And I would want to know so I can make it right. Because here's the thing. Satan wants to do everything he can to pit his church against one another. You know what the Bible tells us? If we have an issue with our brother, we need to go to that brother when? Before the sun goes down. And we got to fix it. And if we can't fix it, we bring a friend along that can help us. If we can't fix it with the friend, then it says go to the leaders of the church and allow them to help you. Then the Bible says if you've done all three of those things and you can't fix it, you've done all you can do. But guys, you've got to understand that we as a church family, we have to get along and we have to be focused around God's mission because we've got so much other things to do. The second group of people, I hope you like them because you picked them. They are your friends. They are your friends. Now, sometimes your friends can be like your family. Sometimes they can grate on your nerves, but they're your friends. You chose them. It's your fault. So in John 15, 12 through 13, it says what kind of friend you should be. It says, this is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. As followers of Christ, we should be the best friend that anyone ever has. You know why? Because we have example of the best friendship, and Jesus just said it. Greater love is no man than these, that he would lay down his life for his friend. He's not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done for you. You didn't deserve Jesus to come to this earth as a baby 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for you, but he did it for you anyway. Why? Because he loves you. And what he's saying to you is you should be the best friend that anyone should ever have because you didn't deserve my love. They may not deserve your love, but you're called to love them. Period. End of story. There's no, but you don't know how mean they are to me. Does it say greater love has no man than these? He can lay down his life for his friend unless his friend's a jerk. It's not in there. There's no caveat. Now I'm kind of a person, I'm kind of a nice guy. Many people that know me know how such an awesome, nice guy I am. Really easy going. Uh, but sometimes, I'm being sarcastic in case you're wondering. Uh, sometimes I let, people, I let people run over me because I'm a nice guy. But what it's saying is that 
you, whether people run over you, whether people are mean to you or not, you're still called to love them. And guys, the way we separate ourselves from the world is with love. You can look around the world and see that there is no love in this world. And that is how we define ourselves as Christ followers. We love others because he first loved us. The third group of people, probably the most difficult group of people to love is number three, our enemies. Our enemies. It says in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 43 and 44, Jesus is preaching and he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not only should you love your enemies, you should pray for those that persecute you. Now, guys, this is tough because in America, we want everybody to be on our side. And if you're not on our side, you're against us. But what the Bible says is that the people that are the most against you need your most prayers. Now, guys, let me go to the extreme. An extreme of our enemy, the Bible's saying that we should pray for the Taliban. We should pray for ISIS. We should pray for those evil people in the world that come to hurt us. Why? Because what's the one thing that's going to change their hearts? If they had Jesus... And stop following Allah, that would change their whole perspective. Now let me bring it home a little bit with the government shutdown. If you're Republican, you should love Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you should love Republicans. Why? Because the Bible says you should love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Now I know this is not popular especially during a government shutdown where we're divided upon lines. But what Jesus is saying to you is what truly changes things is love. You can yell and scream at people. You can want them to believe the way that you believe, but ultimately they listen to you when you love them. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's when you can speak into their lives. Now, back to my story. My mother and father-in-law were getting a divorce, and my wife was very frustrated with her dad. I had the point to where I could say, babe, you know what? We should stay away from him. We should, we should never let him be a part of my life. We should not let him be a part of our kid's life. But you know what I did? I encouraged my wife to talk to her father. I encouraged my wife. In fact, I would set up times with her dad to go and hang out with him as a family, even though my wife would get upset with me, that we could go and spend time with him. Why? Because I told her, one day your dad is not going to be here. And you're not going to want something this small, no matter how big we think it is, that when he's on his deathbed, that you had wished you spent more time with him. Now, did this man deserve for me to do that? No, but God calls me to be different. And it took everything I could to do that. Now, I think that my father-in-law may love me more than his daughter. <laughs> it's possible, I don't know. I'll, we'll have to poll him afterwards, but, but it used to be, oh, Todd's here. Now it's, oh, Todd's here. Hey, Todd, how are you? I'm like, 
Yes, I have walked into the room. But what's the one thing that changed everything in mine and my father-in-law's relationship? When he most needed love, I was there to show it to him. I showed him the love of Christ, which means it doesn't matter how much you've wronged me, you still have my forgiveness. Now, we don't necessarily have to like everything that our enemies do, but we're called to love them. And now, one day, I can, I can say that through this tough transition in our lives, I have no qualms about what we did because we stood by him even in the most difficult times. And so, what you have to understand about your enemies is you do not have to like them. You do not have to like them. You do not have to like the way they are. You do not have to like their behavior. You have to love them. Like and love are two different things. You love something unconditionally. You like something with a lot of conditions. Like there's a lot of restaurants I like and very few restaurants that I love that would serve me a bad meal and I might come back. Most restaurants I only like. If they serve me a bad meal, I probably wouldn't come back. So we are called to love even if we don't like them. The fourth group, and probably the most important group that we're called to love as Christ followers is the harvest. The harvest. In Matthew chapter nine, verse 36 through 38, I think I'm starting in verse 37. I put it wrong in my notes, but it said, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers to the harvest. Guys, we are planted here in Cleburne. And I'm here to tell you, the statistics say about 20% of Cleburne go to church on a given Sunday. But here's the problem with Cleburne. They don't know they need God. Our town prides itself on being, in fact, at one point, our town was called the town of churches. And it prided itself on that because we are such a spiritual people. The problem is now we're spiritually blind. We think we're such a good town, but the problem is we don't actually, there's nothing in our life that actually changes us. And so now I would say that even Cleaver now is even a tougher nut to crack now than it ever has been before because we think we have God when we really don't. If all of Cleaver suddenly decided to go to church on a Sunday morning, no churches would have enough room to put them. And guys, we don't just pull from Cleaver. We have people here from Alvarado, Godley, Joshua, Fort Worth, Burleson. And so guys, I'm here to tell you the harvest is plentiful, but the people that want to go out and get the harvest are few. And so what we're talking about is intentional evangelism, intentional evangelism. Now, I'm giving a plug for Grant's class. You're welcome, Grant. Okay. If you don't know how to evangelize, go to Grant's class and Justin, they'll teach you how to do it. Uh, you know, the staff always gets mad at me when I talk about one group or the other. It just falls into the message today. But we are called to love on people. Now, I'm here to tell you the best way to get someone to come to church is not to come out and ask them, go to church with me. Because they're like, why would I want to go to church with you? The best way to get someone to go to church with them is to love on them first. Bring them their favorite Starbucks drink 
every day for a week. Then at the end of the week go, hey, you know what? It's been such a good week. I go to church at the end of every week. Would you go to church with me and I'll take you to lunch afterwards? Then they might actually go to lunch with you. But if you say to them, hey, my pastor's giving discounts on I Love My Church t-shirts. Will you come with me so I can get a discount? I'm just here to tell you they're probably not going to come to church. But you have to be intentional and loving them. But here's the problem. We like to be here in the church and we like to be comfortable. We want to be comfortable here in this nice church and everybody else could just come in here and hang out with me. But guys, I'm here to tell you that we can do only so much as the church to attract people. We can preach the best sermons. We can give away the best things. But only a certain amount of people are going to come in here. The most effective way to bring people to church is if you do it. But here's the problem. If you refuse to reach the harvest, you're basically saying to all of the outside world, it's fine if you go to hell as long as I'm comfortable. Literally, that's what we're saying. As long as we're comfortable, we're all right with whatever happens to you. But what Jesus is saying to us is go out and get the harvest. So my quote for you today is if we refuse to go after the harvest, we are fine with them going to hell. Now, I asked the staff, I sent that to them, I go, hey, is that too much in your face? I'm like, no, no, get them, get them, get them. And a lot of, is, is what they said. So if you're mad at me about this, just be mad at the staff, because I, I checked myself and they were like, go, go get them. But guys, if we're really honest, if we're really honest, this isn't a tough concept to handle. Because if we don't go out and get the harvest, what, what's going to happen to them? They're going to go to hell. And so my challenge for you in 2019 is to go out and get the harvest. So I challenged the first service the same way, and I'll challenge you guys. Who are two people? Who are two people that you know that need Jesus? And I want you to pray for them, and I want you to get them in this place in 2019. Now, here's my deal for you. If you get them here and you get them saved, then you're going to baptize them. Because it doesn't say in the Bible, go therefore make disciples of all nations and let your pastor baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that. It just says, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So guys, I want to see people getting baptized every week. I want to see you baptizing people every week because what we're here for is lives being changed because there's people out there dying and going to hell every day and we've got to do something about it because we have hope we have the love of God but we can't sit back and go well as long as I'm comfortable I don't care what happens to them but that's the American church we've become a consumer driven entity than a mission driven entity We need to be driven around the mission. And the mission is to love God and to love people. And without that, we we get hung up on the love God part. We got that. But the Bible is saying, don't forget about the love people aspect. Because they need us. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you in your life today? If you're new here at Hope Church, I always try to end with three questions to challenge you throughout your week. The first question is this. How well are you loving others? How well are you loving on other people? You know, sometimes people are hard. 
And for me, it's not even more hard than when you go to like Walmart on a Saturday, when you're driving in traffic and people are driving slow in the left lane. Just so you all know, the left lane's for passing only. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. Um, Wow. I get the most amens on that one. All right. (laughs) Need to preach a whole sermon about that, apparently. (laughs) I don't know how I could make that into a biblical truth, but it's there somewhere. Um, We get so frustrated about that, and we forget the fact that, that Jesus forgived you of every bad thing you did to him as well. Sometimes it would verge upon, we're saying to ourselves, we're, we're hypocrites because we expect God to love us, but we're not gonna extend that same grace to people. Second question, do you need to mend some broken relationships? Guys, I told you earlier, and I'll tell you again, if you have a problem with someone, the Bible tells you to mend that relationship when? Before the sun goes down, somebody was listening, thank you. It's because I had good coffee, right? Yeah, all right. Before the sun goes down. And so if the sun has gone down on this relationship, guys, it's time to get to work. Because one day, that person is going to pass away. And you're gonna be left with, should I have talked to them before now? That's what I encouraged my wife with about her dad, you know, One day your dad's going to be on his deathbed. He's not going to be here anymore. Are you going to be sad that you didn't spend more time with him? And guys, I'm here to tell you, there's nothing on this earth that is worth the pain of not knowing that you were okay with that loved one before they passed. So my encouragement for you today is there's someone, is there a relationship you need to mend? And guys, I'll be the first one to say, I make people mad all the time. But if you'll tell me, I'll claim responsibility. And sometimes it's just a little bit of saying, hey, you know, I was dumb. I get it. I was a little prideful. If you'll forgive me, we can go on. And guys, don't go into the, don't go into the conversation expecting them to apologize. Because it doesn't matter whether they apologize or not. Because it doesn't matter. You've let it go. Because you've been set free of your sins and you can offer the same grace for them. Last question I have for you is this. Do you need to share Jesus with someone? As Pastor Mo and whoever her crew is today comes back. Guys, we are here on this earth for one reason, and that is to share the gospel with as many people as we possibly can. And if we aren't doing that, we are not being effective followers of Christ. Guys, I'm with you. I love a good church service. I love a good worship band. It is hard for me to preach without good worship. You know how I know that? Because I've had to preach after bad worship. It's hard. It feels like you're starting your car from neutral. You can't go anywhere. But guys, we can't be so focused on us and forget that God has placed us here to be the light of the world. In fact, the Bible says we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. Everybody wants to be with us. All you have to do is go tell them. Who doesn't want to be loved? Who doesn't want to have unconditional forgiveness? Who doesn't want to have unconditional grace? You guys have accepted that. Well, some of you have. 
Some of you still need to accept that. But guys, we have the greatest message that has ever been preached. What's keeping you from telling somebody? So it's, it's difficult sometimes when I have these so action-driven sermons to kind of bring it down to a point of what you can take home. So as this next song plays, I want you to ask God two things. One, who are the two people that need to be on my heart? And the second thing, God, is there some relationships that need to be mended that are broken? Because guys, like I told you, Satan's biggest tool for us as followers of Christ is to make us mad at each other. Because if we're mad at each other, then we're not effective. We're too focused, worried about being upset with each other than we are focused on what God has called us to do. So as the band sings, who is lost and hurting in your life? Maybe it's you. Maybe you haven't taken that step and gone, Jesus, I want you to have my whole life. You know, we talk about becoming a follower of Christ. You know, a lot of times the church has, has narrowed it down to a prayer. But guys, what I want to say to you is, is following Jesus is a lifestyle. What you're saying to God is you're saying, you can have my whole life and I'll let you and I'll do exactly what you have called me to do. If you're ready to lay your life at the feet of Jesus, then you're ready to follow him. If you're not, then you got some more work to do. But let me encourage you, before you go to meet with him, you probably need to lay your life down at his feet because that's the entrance exam. And so guys, today, if you have not laid your life down to Jesus, and you'd like to do that, we'll have prayer partners down here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. But who's in your life that needs God's love? Who needs to be in this place? Who needs a broken relationship healed? That's what this is all about. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so unworthy of your love. Lord, oftentimes I'm amazed at, at how you still love me when I don't do anything to deserve your love. So Lord, I pray today that you would help us to not be so inwardly focused and help us to focus on your mission. That's all we've talked about these last two weeks is your mission, loving you and loving people. Anything else is not worth it. So Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be challenged. Help us to be changed. Help us not to just dig our heels in and refuse to do anything differently. Help us to change. Lord, help us to love those people that are not easy to love. Help us to extend grace where grace is not always deserved. And Lord, I pray for those that are out there today. Lord, I feel in my spirit that there is at least one person, Lord, in this place that needs to truly accept you. They've never made that step to truly follow in your path. Or maybe they need to recommit their life. They've done things their way, but now it's time to be back 
in your will. So Lord, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Show us what relationships we need to fix and show us what harvest you've called us to. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.